0: Well, Ben Gregg hasn't been much of a contributor so far in his Gonzaga career, but he's coming into his sophomore season stronger, faster, and much improved while drawing a ton of praise from the coaching staff. Is this the year we see what the former top 100 prospect is all about? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get your first deposit doubled up to $100. All right, folks, happy Friday. It is so, so close to the start of the college basketball season. This is the final episode before there will be games played for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, real games, not exhibition games, real, actual in the standings games for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. So, so, so excited to finally be back and talking about real college basketball. However, we are still finishing up our season preview series, touching on every player on the Gonzaga roster, looking at their history, how they got where they are, what, They have done in a Gonzaga uniform so far, also taking a look at their best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming season and their expected role, expected production, and if applicable, their NBA future or at least their future in a Gonzaga uniform. Today we're talking Ben Gregg. We're talking Ben Gregg shortly after Gonzaga finished their second exhibition game against... Warner Pacific University, where Ben's father, Matt Gregg, is the director of athletics. Very cool to see an opportunity to to play a team like that and kind of get the opportunity for those student-athletes to play at Gonzaga and, of course, for uh, the Zags to invite Greg's family up for an event. Very, very cool. Uh, Ben Gregg's had kind of an interesting story up to this point in his Gonzaga career. He committed to Gonzaga in 2020. He had been interested in coming to Gonzaga for a while. There's pictures of him that his father posts on Twitter very frequently of him going to games when he was a kid at the Child Center at the University of Portland. Uh, He's been a Gonzaga fan. He's had family in Spokane for, for a really long time. It's unclear exactly when Gonzaga offered him, but they had been interested in Palo Bancaro as well as Chet Holmgren. My word, what a recruiting class that would have been. Bancaro obviously chose to go to Duke. It was shortly after that that Ben Gregg revealed that he was going to announce his college decision and that Gonzaga was on his list. So it seems like the Zags may have pivoted from Bancaro and, and reached out to Ben Gregg. What happened after that? He committed to Gonzaga on September 9th, 2020. He spent the next semester, his final semester in high school, because of COVID-19, there was not a basketball season, so Greg graduated from high school a semester early and immediately enrolled at Gonzaga for the spring semester and was on Gonzaga's bench for the second half of what was not his freshman season. It's I called him a sophomore. He is a sophomore. This will be his third season playing basketball in Spokane, but he is a sophomore because that first season was effectively still his senior year of high school. Uh, very cool that he got the opportunity to do that. Not cool why. Obviously, the COVID-19 had a lot of impacts on high school basketball, and kind of we're still feeling the impacts of that uh, in a lot of ways with recruiting classes but for Ben Gregg, it was an opportunity to go to his dream school a half a semester or half a year early, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, he joined the team in December. He played 18 games uh, as a high school senior, effectively. Uh, just about three minutes per game, averaged about a point, about a rebound per game. You wouldn't expect him to do a whole lot more than that, but what an opportunity. I mean, this man played an NCAA tournament game before his freshman year. He got the opportunity to be there. This team, That team won the national championship. He sat on the bench for a national championship game. Before he'd even really started his collegiate career, in some ways, so it was a very cool opportunity for him. Uh, the kind of thing that helps you kind of get a little bit of a boost over your your compatriots in your recruiting class. In this case, it would be Caden Perry, who's the same recruiting class, uh, but did not start a half year early like Greg did. Uh, so he competed with minutes for Perry for the depth minutes, I should say, as a as a freshman in the twenty one twenty two season. Perry, unfortunately, got hurt and was not able to suit up for most of the season. He suited up early in the year, and then we didn't see him much after December. Uh, We didn't see a ton of Greg either. He played 17 games, which is about as much as he played uh, in his first season in Spokane. He played about 6.3 minutes per game, so... Same number of games, but double the amount of minutes, which is good. You would expect his playing time to continue to increase uh, as he gets more familiar with the offense, more familiar with the pace and speed and and everything that goes along with the college game. He averaged two and a half points, two rebounds, and 0.6 assists. Per game last season, I only shot. He shot under forty percent on two pointers. He's about thirty nine percent on twos and just under thirty one percent on three. So not a particularly efficient season for Ben Gregg. But again, we're talking about six minutes per game in about half of Gonzaga's games. Most of them were blowouts. Most of the minutes that we saw from him were in garbage time. He was kind of often the best player on the floor in garbage time, which is kind of a unique role to be in because often. Gonzaga is funneling the offense through him because the other players on the court at that time were Matthew Lang or Will Graves or Joe Few and so Ben got a lot of opportunities to shoot and a lot of opportunities to kind of try to you know stretch out his offense and and show the outside shot and whatever and we didn't really see it that much for him uh, that season there was a little bit of concern especially with what he kind of what we saw from him on the defensive end again it's really hard to try to do a lot of significant analysis when you're talking about the, the bench minutes uh, in a game like this, when he's playing against Alcorn State's backup power forward, you know, you, you're just kind of not gleaning a whole lot of information from it. What we do know, though, is that Ben Gregg is coming into the season. He's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger than he has ever been. This is not only apparent just watching him, seeing him at craziness in the kennel, seeing the minutes we saw from him in the Tennessee game, seeing the minutes we saw from him in the Warner Pacific game. But this is also quotes from the coaching staff. Brian Michelson and Mark Few both spoke to Greg Heister and Dan Dickow during craziness in the kennel. One of the players who came up in those conversations were Ben Gregg, and both of them spoke about how much stronger he is, how hard he has worked on his body to be in the best shape of his career, to be more ready to take on a bigger role. I've mentioned this in the past on this podcast. I mentioned it in my takeaways art, uh, takeaways episode after Craziness in the Kennel that coach speak is definitely something to keep an eye on and coaches will gas up players that they aren't necessarily going to play. But it's always notable when coaches go out of their way to talk about a certain player. If somebody directly asked Coach Michelson about Ben Gregg and he said, yeah, he looks great, he's bigger, he's faster. I wouldn't say that that's nothing, but it may not mean all that much. But Michelson went out of his way to bring up Ben Gregg specifically and talk about how much bigger and faster and stronger he is. And to me, that is a bit more significant. Maybe it's looking into it a little bit too much. Maybe not, though. Mark Few, in particular, is rarely wrong when he says, hey, this is the guy to pay attention to. I'll never forget, I talked about this on a podcast recently, how excited he was about what Kelly Olinick was going to bring during that 2012-2013 season. And nobody believed him because Kelly Olinick hadn't done anything up to that point in his collegiate career. Kelly Olinick went on to be an All-American that year. Them saying, hey, Ben Gregg's you know, looking really good this year. It definitely could mean something. Now, through the exhibition games, he's about the ninth or 10th guy, which is what we expected. It would be very surprising to see him any higher on the depth chart just because of the ludicrous amount of talent that is on Gonzaga's roster. But... It remains to be seen whether a ninth or tenth role actually is going to materialize and whether that will lean into Ben Gregg playing pretty consistent minutes on a night in a night out basis. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment is what Ben Gregg's playing time situation is going to look like in the 22-23 season uh, and his potential impact on this Gonzaga roster. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college basketball season. It's crazy easy to sign up and get started, and each game can be a different bet or pick em choice for your favorite Gonzaga stars. You think Drew Timmy is going to score more than 18 points against Chris Beard and the Texas Longhorns? Go to the Upside app and drop your bet. It's easy money. Bet Timmy and one to four other players, Gonzaga or not, and you can win cold, hard cash. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. So deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to UnderdogFantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. Get in on the pick'em action today. All right, segment two. Still any patents, Still. Locked On Zags with still talking baby Ben Greg here in the second segment. I also want to thank all of you who have made this podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen today, I suggest checking out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're talking Ben Gregg, best case, worst case scenarios for his upcoming season. I've said this caveat on the previous player preview series. I'll say it again very quickly for those who are new to these series. Best cases within reason, worst cases without injury. I'm not going to discuss your worst case scenario being a season-ending injury because that is fairly obvious. Obviously, if a player's if injuries are a part of a player's past or a part of their present, we are going to discuss them. But for the most part, we try to ignore them. And the best case scenario is going to be within reason. Quite frankly, in this situation, yes, national player of the year, first overall pick in the NBA draft, WCC player of the year, et cetera. That's the best case scenario for everybody. It's not the best case scenario for Ben Gregg because it's just not realistic. And that's OK. That's OK. We are going to talk about what the best case scenario is for Ben Gregg. And in this case, it's getting consistent minutes. That's the best case scenario. He, up to this point in his collegiate career, he has not gotten consistent minutes. He has not carved out a role. That means every night when tip-off happens... Before the end of the game, Ben Gregg is going to play, and that is just something you know and you assume, and it is very surprising if it doesn't happen, and you start to wonder, is he hurt? Is there something going on? That has not been the case with Ben Gregg. At this point, if he doesn't play in a game, it's not that unusual. The best case scenario for him is that he gets to a point where every single game, at some point, he's going into the game. The best case scenario for Ben Gregg is still probably only about 12 to 15 minutes per night. Obviously, injuries or something else could impact other players on the roster, which would allow Ben Gregg's playing time to increase. But if we're not talking about that, we're not making those assumptions. The best realistic case for Ben Gregg this season is a role where he is playing every single night and it is just over 10 to 15-ish minutes per game. Where those minutes come from is a little bit up in the air. Uh, It could be in place of Efton Reed if that's a situation where Reed's not ready to play or they don't want to give him uh, minutes for whatever reason. It could also be in place of one of the guards with Strother playing more minutes at the three. We know that Mark Few and the staff are planning to play Julian Strother in that small ball four, although we, small ball four role, excuse me, but we don't know exactly how much of his minutes will come in that role. So perhaps if Ben Gregg is outplaying Dominic Harris or if Ben Gregg is outplaying Hunter Salad or malachi smith and is going to get more minutes in that regard he could play more minutes at the four strother could play more minutes at the three and it would just be a bigger lineup the ways that this happens for ben greg the way that he cements himself in the rotation the outside shooting is consistent and well above average that's his skill set he's a six foot nine stretch four this is what ben greg does there are other things that he can and should and needs to work on in order to be like a really consistent player for this program. But by and large, his ability to stretch the floor, knock down open threes, that's what, that's what he needs to do. That's what he needs to demonstrate in order to get consistent playing time. If he can do that, if he can shoot 37% from three, even if it's not like a huge sample of—he doesn't need to be taking five threes a game. I don't think that anybody wants that to be the case at this point and it, just because he's not going to be playing that many minutes. But if he's taking one and a half threes per game, two threes per game, and he's knocking them down above 35%, that's enough— that the Zags can utilize him in the high-low offense. It's great for Drew Timmy. We've talked ex- extensively on this podcast about how having a lineup where Drew Timmy is surrounded by shooters is the most ideal way to get him in one-on-one situations on the block, where Drew Timmy is basically automatic when it is a one-on-one situation on the block. To do that, you need the rest of the players on the floor to be able to space the floor. If Ben Gregg f- is a really really automatic open three if he's going to knock that down teams have to respect that they have to be out on the perimeter and Drew can just do what Drew does down in the paint now for Ben to be able to play that high low he needs to not only be able to knock down that three but he needs to be able to make really good decisions with the basketball in his hands and be able to accurately make that pass into the post this is not an easy thing to do Chet Holmgren is one of the most skilled, talented players Gonzaga has ever had on their roster. And we saw him turn the ball over quite a bit on attempts to make that inbounds pass down in the block. Drew Timmy, when attempting to make that inbounds pass to Chet Holmgren, also turned the ball over a lot. So being consistent with the basketball where you can knock down that open shot, you can make the correct read and make the inbounds or the entry pass to Drew Timmy, or you can swing the ball around the perimeter and set some screens and kind of run that, that aspect of the high-low offense. These are tough tasks. Killian Tilley made it look really easy to be able to do all of these things for four years, but it is not easy. Gonzaga had to go away from the high-low offense when T- when Tilley left and Anton Watson was there because he wasn't really equipped to fill that role. Ben Gregg has more of the skills necessary to fill that role, but in, and in a best-case scenario, they show up. He's ready to do that. He can handle that role. If he can play the high-low, and yes, Julian Strother can play that role too, and I think he's going to play it a lot this upcoming season. But in situations where the Zags maybe still want, maybe they only want two guards on the floor, maybe they want another big alongside Strother, but they still want to run the high-low offense, Anton Watson, Efton Reed, Watson hasn't been that guy. Reed, I suppose, could be that guy, but I'm not sure that that's what they're tasking him to do. So Greg kind of could be the person who steps into that role and fills that spot and and creates a lineup where the Zags legitimately can space the floor incredibly while giving Drew all sorts of room down in the block. Other than that, for Ben Gregg, demonstrate some effectiveness in the low post. You need to be able to score outside of just hitting threes. For Ben Gregg, that size, that strength, if you just look at him, just look at video of pictures of him from this offseason, it's clear he's worked very, very hard. He's gotten stronger. He looks better to put that into work. If you've gotten that much stronger, use that physicality. Push people around in the paint. Demonstrate that you can score through contact down on the block and that you can get fouled, get to the free throw line and convert there because that's not something we've seen from him yet either. And again, garbage time, refs are swallowing their whistles the last four minutes of a 32-point game. So Ben Gregg not getting to the free throw line all that much so far in his career is not something that I'm particularly concerned about because I think that context is pretty important there and the times of game that he is playing don't really lend itself to a lot of whistles being blown. But if he's going to have a bigger role this year, one thing you'd like to see out of it is him drawing more contact, getting to the free throw line and converting there because that's free points. Best case scenario for Ben Gregg, the last one here, he shows enough that when we're looking at the future roster, when we're looking at 23-24 with likely without Drew Timmy, uh, likely without Anton Watson, potentially without Julian Strother, we feel like we can pencil Ben Gregg into one of those spots, a consistent spot, and we're not worried about it. We feel good about Ben Gregg having a bigger role next season. What are the worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg? Well, the worst case scenario doesn't really look that much different from his first two campaigns. It's sporadic playing time. It's inconsistent. Maybe he ends up playing in about half of Gonzaga's games total. Maybe it's six and a half, seven minutes per game, a little bit more than we've seen in his first two years. But it's still all coming in garbage time, and it makes it much more difficult to kind of gauge, hey, is this the guy who's really... How much improvement are we seeing from him? Uh, Is he a guy who's going to be a bigger, big time player next season? Is he a guy who's ever going to be a rotation player on this team? It's just hard to tell. I'm sure the staff will be able to tell because they're seeing him every single day. They're seeing stuff that we're not seeing. They're working with him in practice, whatever. But for us, if his playing time looks fairly consistent to the last two years, it's hard to tell what kind of improvements are happening and, and kind of where his career is going in a Gonzaga uniform. Uh, worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg, the outside shooting doesn't appear improved, doesn't appear consistent. Again, it depends on the playing time here. If his playing time does tick up, if he is playing more consistently, but he's not knocking down outside shots more consistently, that's going to impact his playing time. It's the single most important thing for him to do successfully to keep himself on the court going forward. Beyond that, the worst case scenario for Ben Gregg is that his defense is still questionable. The strength down low doesn't result in more physicality he still gets pushed around he still commits fouls at a, at a high rate he's not able to to really defend the perimeter or maybe he he struggles to defend away from the rim as well uh, he's put in situations where he's he's screened off of he's he's defending a guard away from the rim and he struggles in that area lets guys get past him you know Gonzaga doesn't have a lot of rim protection so the the guards dri- dribble drives to the basket are something that is going to be prone to this year, and in a worst-case scenario, Ben Gregg doesn't show himself as a a player who can really help mitigate that problem for the Zags. The worst-case scenario for Ben Gregg is not only that he's not really a part of the rotation this year, it's that looking forward to next year, we're not really sure where he's going to fit in. We know that there's going to be some more opportunities for playing time in the front court, but we don't know if Ben Gregg is necessarily going to be that guy. The worst-case scenario for Ben Gregg is that the fan base is really, really hyped for Braden Huff heading into next season because they kind of the expectation is that he's going to take on that role because he is also a six foot nine big man who has a demonstrated outside shot. And in the worst case scenario for Greg, he kind of doesn't look like a piece for the future going forward. He doesn't do enough this year to really cement himself as a player that is getting talked about as a big contributor for the Gonzaga Bulldogs in any future seasons beyond this year. All right, folks, we're going to come back in the final segment, and we're going to make a prediction on Greg's expected role this season and his future in Spokane coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents? still... Locked on Zag, Still talking Ben Gregg as we nearly finish up our season preview series ahead of the start of the Gonzaga basketball season, which begins on Monday, November 7th. We are so close, folks, to the start of the college basketball season. I'm so excited to have real games to talk about. For right now, though, we're talking Ben Gregg. We're talking expected role. I mentioned this a handful of times today on the podcast already, but Brian Michelson and Mark Few talked very glowingly about Ben Gregg at craziness in the kennel. They made it seem like he was going to play. Now, looking at Gonzaga's roster, looking at the playing time that we've seen him in Tennessee and Warner Pacific exhibition games, and just looking at the the depth of talent in the front court, Drew Timmy obviously going to play 30 minutes a night, going to be a national player of the year candidate. Anton Watson has consistently played roughly 18 minutes per night throughout his college career. That's probably not going to change. Julian Strother is going to play 27 to 30 minutes per night as well, although some of those are going to come at the three. Some of them are going to come at the four. And then you have Efton Reed, who didn't transfer here to not play in his first season. He's going to play minutes as well. So where Ben Gregg's playing time comes from, kind of hard to tell. It's a little hard to put it together right now. I think he's right outside of what Mark View normally has as a typical rotation. If you assume health for Dominic Harris— It's hard for me to imagine that Dom's not at least ninth, which puts Ben Gregg, the highest Ben Gregg is, is 10th. Mark Few doesn't play 10 guys. He just doesn't. It's very, it's exceedingly rare. Most college coaches don't play 10 guys. I think the fact that Ben Gregg is probably this team's 10th best player is a testament to how deep and how talented this roster is. If he's 10th, that means Caden Perry and Brayden Huff are some combination of 11th and 12th. That's wild. That was a really, really talented team. But Mark Few, it doesn't mean he's going to play 10 guys. I, I, It's unclear at this point if he's going to bully his way into consistent playing time or not. I think the big hinges are how many minutes Strother is going to play at the four. That's a big part of it because I don't think Ben Gregg's a five. I think Drew Timmy's a five. I think Efton Reed is a five. I think Anton Watson is clearly a four, although I think he could play kind of small ball five defensively. I think that's kind of an option for him. But Ben Gregg is a four so that's where his minutes are going to come. So that kind of creates a situation where there's there's a pretty big logjam of spots or of players at that spot right now and so it's hard to see what this might look like. I think it's going to be more than last year. I think it's going to be more like 25 games as opposed to 17 games or 18 games. We're going to see him in more games. Are we going to see him in the national or in the PK85 championship game against Duke? Probably not. Are we going to see him against Kentucky on November 20th? Probably not. Are we going to see him most of the rest of the games of the season? I think so. I don't think it'll be a ton. I think it'll be maybe eight to ten minutes per game. Maybe he sneaks up a little bit more than that. But again, it's not it's not easy to see where those minutes are going to come from. Uh, certainly foul trouble and stuff like that could impact the, the dynamic and could allow Greg to play more minutes in games that maybe he wasn't otherwise expecting to play more minutes in. But by and large, I think... He's going to play most every night. He's going to play less than 10 minutes every night. Uh, And I think that we're going to see him, we're going to see some improvement. We're going to see him be more aggressive going to the rim, trying to finish around through contact. We're going to see him more aggressive and looking for his outside shot. We're going to see him be more aggressive uh, playing defense and playing defense away from the rim and also just being physical with guys down around the rim. All that stuff that we need to see from him, that we want to see from him to kind of feel good about what his future looks like in Spokane. I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we are going to see glimpses of that. But its I don't know that we're going to see enough for him to be ironclad like, boom, let's, let's put him in the starting lineup for 23 and just call it good. I'm not sure that we're going to get there. Uh, that would be a, a really nice bump, a really nice development for the Zags, but I'm not confident that we're going to get quite to that level. What I do think we're going to see, though, is when we're looking at next season— after this year is up, we're going to look at a roster that's almost certainly going to lose Drew Timmy. I don't think that he is going to return for his final year of eligibility, especially because if he declares for the NBA draft, his eligibility is gone. And I can't imagine him not even declaring for the NBA draft. So you assume Drew Timmy has gone. Anton Watson is a bit of a question mark. He could absolutely come back uh, for his COVID season, but he may not choose to do that either. Julian Strother very likely gone as well. I think you can pencil Ensel. Hensel, Efton, Reed, excuse me, into a starting lineup spot for 23-24. I think that that's kind of the, the hope and the expectation for the Zags is that Reed ends up filling one of those big spots uh, after Timmy and Strather and those guys leave. But after that, it's a bit of a question mark. The Zags will likely add via the transfer portal. Why would they not do that? They have the ability to do that every single year. They have had a tremendous amount of success finding talented players via the transfer portal. Players like to come to Gonzaga. They like to transfer to Spokane. I think that's what they're going to do. And that player is probably going to be the player who starts alongside Efton Reed. But Greg could really easily be right in that mix for that number three spot. A pretty consistent role, maybe 20 minutes per night for the Zags, 18, 20 minutes, a role similar to what we've seen from Anton Watson in the past. Greg and Watson have dimmer, s- different skill sets, but I think they could be in a similar role in terms of being first guy off the bench, playing a little bit of four, playing a little bit of five. Greg obviously adds an outside shooting element that Watson does not, whereas Watson adds a perimeter defense aspect that Ben Gregg probably will never add because Anton Watson is really, really good on that end of the floor, and it's hard to imagine uh, Ben Gregg getting to that level. But I do think I do think that Ben Greg is going to have a bigger role. I'm, I think this year it's going to be a slight increase, from what we've seen the last couple of years, but I think that that's kind of setting him up to potentially grow into an even bigger role in the 23-24 season. And it would be another example of Gonzaga's development machine. If Greg comes out and becomes a, a big-time contributor for this team, even if he's not a starter, a star, a first-round pick in the NBA draft, anything like that, if he comes out and is like a 37% three-point shooter, Coming off the bench, playing 20 minutes per night, giving Gonzaga good minutes on both the offensive and defensive end of the floor, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Do I think that he's going to have an NBA career? Probably not. But I wouldn't have said that about Joel E.I. after his first two years. Joel E.I. has only played seven NBA games, but that's seven more games than I would have thought he would have prior to his breakout season as a junior. So it could happen. Gonzaga has done this before. I wouldn't have thought Corey Kispert was going to be an NBA player for a while into his career. Julian Strother didn't look like an NBA player after his first season. Like, this happens at Gonzaga a lot. Is Ben Gregg going to develop into an NBA player? I don't know, but it feels foolish to immediately rule it out. Just because of what we've seen happen in Spokane over the last couple of decades, or at least the last decade or so, we've seen players kind of blossom into legitimate NBA-caliber contributors and I think Ben Gregg has the tools, has the ability to do that. Is it going to happen this year? Very unlikely. Could it happen in the next couple of years? Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for me for, day, for today and for this week, and frankly, for the offseason. We are done with offseason content Monday. We are going to do some mailbag stuff. We're also, of course, going to preview the opening game against North Florida. We're going to be All over that stuff. And then, boom, we're right into it. Michigan State later in the week. All sorts of fun stuff coming your way very, very soon right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.